In the children's book, If I Could Keep You Little, Marianne Richmond writes the following words. She says, if I could keep you little, I'd hum you lullabies, but then I'd miss you singing your concert's big surprise. If I could keep you little, I'd kiss your cuts and scrapes, but then I'd miss you learning from your own mistakes. If I could keep you little, I'd strap you in real tight, but then I'd miss you swinging from your treetop height. If I could keep you little, I'd decide on matching clothes, but then I'd miss you choosing dots on, type, on top and, and stripes below. If I could keep you little, I'd cut your bread into shapes, but then I'd miss you finding, hey, I like ketchup with my grapes. If I could keep you little, I'd tell you stories every night, but then I'd miss you reading the words you've learned by sight. If I could keep you little, I'd push you everywhere, but then I'd miss you feeling your own speed from here to there. If I could keep you little, we'd finger paint our art, but then I'd miss you creating the stories of your heart. If I could keep you little, I'd keep you close to me, but then I'd miss you growing into who you're meant to be. As I read today's text, I am reminded that God does not want any of God's children to be kept little. And ultimately, God does not want God's kingdom to be kept little. And that's why Jesus says in Mark 4, 26 through 32, Kara and Trudy did a beautiful job reading it for us. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable will we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it's planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that even the birds can perch in its shade. Now, what's interesting to me about these texts is that they don't really mention the hard work it takes to make things grow in a garden. You may know that Dan Hyatt has recently taken on the leadership of Calvary's community garden and Dan is here just about every day of the week, watering or weeding or working in some way in our garden. However, unlike Dan, the man in this parable scatters the seed, and then all he does is sleep and get up again every day. <laughs> How easy is that? And yet it says that the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know on a first reading, we might call this the parable of the lazy and confused farmer. But what if the parable were not really about the farmer? What if the story were about what's happening beneath the surface? 
Perhaps the farmer in this parable knows that there's something about the seed sprouting and growing up from beneath the ground that he will never be able to understand, no matter how hard he tries. That there is a divine mystery that simply is unexplainable. Whether that growth is happening in a garden or in a child, in our lives or in the kingdom of God, and try as we might, none of us can fully articulate it. In fact, you might say that it's like a mustard seed, the smallest of all the seeds on earth, that somehow, when planted, grow into something so large that even the birds make nests in its branches. It's this divine growth that we see in these parables and that we see sprouting within us and among us and through us that reminds me that God does not want God's children to be kept small. God's Spirit is always breathing new breath, giving birth to new life, breaking down barriers, dreaming new dreams, and pointing us in new directions. That is what the kingdom of God looks like, and it cannot be kept small. So for the past few weeks, we have been preaching sermons inspired by Calvary's vision statement. And part of our vision statement is that we aspire to grow personally and communally. We hope that each and every person is somehow transformed through the presence of Christ in this place. And when you plug into what God is doing in this community, you cannot be kept small. You just can't. In fact, I would venture to say that Calvary is at its best when we refuse to be kept small. When we are courageous enough to think outside the box, to love more extravagantly, to serve more wholeheartedly, to give more selflessly, and to dream big dreams about where God is calling us next. But, like a lot of churches, I think we can also struggle with the things that try to keep us small. Because, like all churches, we are filled with human people, and each and every one of us struggles in one way or another with the things that keep us small. You may have heard about a man in the New Testament named Zacchaeus. Scripture says that Zacchaeus was short in stature, and our children sing this song that Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Well, Zacchaeus was also a tax collector, and not only that, but he was the chief tax collector, which means he was pretty high up in a pretty corrupt system that tended to take advantage of people. You could say he was pretty high up in a system that tried to keep people small. And so this wee little chief tax collector is trying to see Jesus when he's passing through Jericho one day, but, it says, on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So Zacchaeus runs ahead of the crowd and climbs up in a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus. Now, it's important for us to realize that Zacchaeus totally cast aside any sense of dignity by climbing up in a tree to see Jesus. One, because it was considered completely undignified for a grown man to run through the crowd like that. And two, because it was considered completely undignified for a man of importance to climb up in a tree. 
But part of me wonders if Zacchaeus, feeling trapped by the weight of his own sin, climbs up in a sycamore tree to try to keep himself small, to stay out of the way, to escape the impending judgment of the crowds, to catch a glimpse of Jesus without wanting to be seen by Jesus, thinking surely Jesus wouldn't notice him up in that tree. Perhaps he was afraid of what Jesus might have to say to him if he did see him. But in his efforts to try to stay small, Zacchaeus is almost like a child playing hide-and-seek. He thinks he's hidden himself so well, but Jesus knows exactly where he is. So when Jesus passes by, he looks right up at him and says, Zacchaeus, hurry up and come on down. You know, it's as if Jesus is saying, you don't have to keep yourself small, hidden up there in that tree, out of sight and out of reach just to see me. You can come down and see me face to face. In fact, why don't you come down immediately because I'm going to your house today. You know, in his efforts to stay small, Zacchaeus expected to be invisible, but instead he was seen. He was even called by name. He expected to be judged, but instead he was embraced and forgiven. And his actions make me wonder, how do we, like Zacchaeus, try to keep ourselves small? Maybe we can't find a way to believe any other narrative about ourselves. What is it that tries to keep you and me small? What is it that leaves us feeling trapped by the weight of our sin, unable to conceive of any way that we could be set free from that? Or what is it that tries to squelch our God-sized dreams? What is it that leaves us wanting to keep people at arm's length rather than jumping into community and allowing ourselves to truly know one another and to be known by one another? What is it that keeps us from being radically welcoming to each and every person who walks in this space without exception? What is it that keeps us from diving into what God is doing in this place and what God is doing all around us in our neighborhood? What is it that keeps us from really getting to know our neighbors? What is it that keeps us always wanting to play it safe instead of taking risks to journey with God to new and exciting and unknown places? What is it that tries to keep you and me small? For some of us, maybe it's fear that keeps us small. Fear of failure. Fear of letting people in and truly being seen. Or fear of what we do not understand. Fear of the unknown. And this debilitating fear keeps us trapped in the darkness, unable to reach the light that helps us to grow. Or for some of us, perhaps it's shame that keeps us small. But shame only festers within us and leaves us locked up within ourselves, unable to reach out our branches to one another. So many of us keep ourselves trapped in these narrow, airtight boxes, or we lock ourselves in closets that make us feel secure, but ultimately keep everyone else locked out. And while we might think this feels safe, ultimately it leaves us struggling to receive the life-giving breath that God desires to breathe into us. 
And so while we think it feels comfortable, it also leaves us stagnant and prevents us from developing the courage to venture with God to unfamiliar places. Friends, what system, what sin, what feeling, what attitude, what belief, what is it that tries to keep you and me small? The reality is I can't fill in these blanks for any of us. In fact, the very act of trying to do so, I think, would prevent us from doing the hard work of observing and discerning and naming whatever it is that tries to keep us small so that it no longer has the power or control over us that it once had. But whatever it is that tries to keep us small, however you fill in that blank, know that this is precisely what Jesus came to deliver us from. Because when Jesus calls us down from the places in which we try to hide, and when we encounter Jesus face to face, we can't help but be changed. You see, our God won't let us be kept small because our God never was, never is, and never will be kept small either. Our God was big enough to come to this earth and to become one of us. And through him, Jesus had a dream about a kingdom that was always growing, whether it was like yeast that was rising or plants that were growing, it was constantly sprouting up in unexpected people in unlikely places. And perhaps that's why Jesus never could stay in one place for very long, because he was constantly looking for where God might be calling him next to sow the seeds of the kingdom next. And Jesus' table was never big enough either. Jesus dined with sinners, even the chief tax collectors like Zacchaeus. And when he went to Zacchaeus' house, everyone in that crowd grumbled that Jesus would even associate with someone like that. But it didn't matter because Jesus' courage was big enough to stand up to unjust systems and to narrow-minded thinking. And when people tried to limit Jesus, with closed-minded questions, he usually responded with open-ended questions in return, reminding them that their vision, their capacity for love, and their way of thinking about the kingdom of God simply wasn't big enough. Even the tomb wasn't big enough to contain Jesus. And when he ascended into heaven, he said, I'm big enough to be with you always, no matter what, no matter where, even to the very end of the age. Friends, we serve a big God who continually calls us out of our smallness to think outside the box about ideas we never would have thought of before to dream new dreams we never would have dreamed before, to know people we never would have known before, to love people we never would have even liked before, and to journey to places we never would have gone before. And so may we be courageous enough to follow wherever our great God leads, and may we never be kept small. God, I pray for us in this room today, and I pray for the ways that we fill in that blank, for the situations, for the systems, for whatever it is that leaves us feeling small. And as I think outside of these walls, I pray for our neighborhood, our community, our city, and our world. 
for the situations that leave us feeling marginalized and oppressed and feeling like we have nowhere to go. God, we know that you came to save us from all of this, that you have the life-giving breath to breathe into us, that you have the light to shine into these spaces of darkness, that you have the power to deliver us from each and every one of these spaces. And so, God, however we fill in that blank today, or as we look around our world, however we fill in that blank for our neighbors, I ask that you would give us courage to follow in the name of Jesus and to dream big about the kingdom that you are calling us to, to build and to be a part of. God, that's exciting work. That's exciting for Calvary. That's exciting for our neighborhood. That's exciting for everyone. God, give us courage to dream big dreams and to never let ourselves be kept small. Amen. In just a few moments, we will be baptizing Oliver Hanchi. And I think Oliver's baptism will be an incredible example for us of what it looks like to respond to the God who calls us out of our smallness and raises us up to walk in a much bigger, brand new way of life. And if you would like to talk with someone about what it means to follow Christ, like Oliver has chosen to do, we would love to visit with you in the back of the sanctuary. Or maybe you want to become part of this community here at Calvary, where we seek to know and to follow Christ together. However God leads you to respond today, deacons and staff will be ready to receive you and to pray with you as we continue in worship.